Hey, hey, and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and with me today, I have two awesome guests. I have Burke from the Often Daunted Indiana Podcast, and I have a good friend of the podcast, Anthony, a.k.a. The Real Shardy, Michigan State fan, here to preview some games with us, talk through some of the big games this weekend. I, I thought this would be a pretty uneventful week, so I plan to just preview games, and we are just going to preview games, but um, Northwestern decided to endure the worst loss of the season um so i'm not really prepared to talk about it but i just figured i'd mention it and make sure our wildcat friends know that we did see it and uh but we we will take grace on you and not talk about it so uh burke you want to go and let people know who you are where they can find you at yeah i'm burke white uh i'm the host of the often daunted podcast it is the indiana basketball podcast here on the big banter network um just happy to be here ready to talk some of these uh huge games we have coming up this weekend oh yes and a big game for indiana for sure we'll get yes, to that one definitely. soon uh anthony go tell the people who you are where they can find you at. hey guys how's it going anthony garford uh you can find me on twitter at the real shardy um as jr said uh for all of your trolling all of your photoshops general uh tomfoolery uh on, on the serious side i'm a um i'm a writer for spartan shadows you can find us at spartanshadows.com or spartan underscore shadows on twitter you got your serious work and your troll work where you're posting uh videos of donald trump and uh all of <laughs> there's a lot to celebrate these days yeah that video got me so good football at least right right. football's looking up off season uh off season heroes right there you go yeah yeah well we have plenty to talk about with basketball too uh as well before we do get to that do want to remind you big banter sports big sports.com for all your big 10 media needs and if you're watching this video on youtube please do like and subscribe we appreciate that if you're listening on podcast give us a rating subscribe over there we also appreciate that and uh without further ado we'll just get right into it all right guys so our first game that we're going to preview Purdue faces Arizona, top three matchup between the Boilermakers and the Wildcats. This is going to be a pretty interesting game. Zach Eady has a lot on his hands here. Arizona loves to work in the paint. They love to be uh, an offensive rebounding team and and, uh, get points off of that. So it's going to be a really interesting one to see. Can Arizona mitigate Zach Eady at all? Or will Zach Eady just keep having those games where he's getting 30-plus points, 10-plus rebounds, and just kind of dominating the whole thing? It's going to be really interesting to see. Anthony, what are some of your thoughts going into this game? Yeah, so, I mean, this game – it feels like a final four game, which is amazing. And it's a little ridiculous. I said this as much on Twitter. It's ridiculous that it's airing on Peacock, that this is not a nationally televised game. You have to stream it, but maybe they didn't know going into the season that this would be top three. Um, I think this is um, in general, you know, obviously in the paint, you're going to see a huge battle between the two teams. Um, Arizona has quite a bit of length. Purdue, obviously they're always going to have seven footers, you know, <laughs> to throw at him. Obviously, Edie is going to be the best. He'll be the best player on the floor. Uh, Arizona, um, number two adjusted D, Ken Palm. So they're, you know, they're up to the task in terms of trying to contain him. What this game is going to come down to is which backcourt is going to get the, you know, the better of the other. In general, I do think that Arizona has the better backcourt. I think they have more dynamic playmakers. Um, and, you know, you saw that against, I, I watched them play Michigan state earlier. Their backcourt is just, they're, they're relentless and dribble drive and rebounding. They're just super athletic. And if Purdue is not able to contain Caleb love, right. Then, then they're going to have a, they're going to have a really tough time. 
Um, if we, it, this game comes down to what version of lawyer and Smith do we get, right? Do we get the elite version that we've seen them be, or do we get the ones that just don't show up? Um, when they don't show up, you have games like Northwestern that happen. When they do show up, Purdue, you know, when they were their Thanksgiving tournament, they looked unstoppable. They beat, you know, they had a gauntlet of a schedule and they, they cruised through it. So because this game's in Indy, I think lawyer and Smith both play up a little bit and I give Purdue the edge in this one. Yeah, I think the backcourt is definitely a thing you have to watch in this one. Arizona, pretty much every statistical, I have my CBB analytics uh, like team breakdown where they put all the numbers next to each other. And Arizona is like in the top 95 percentile of almost every single number out there. Every efficiency number, every you know shooting number, scoring number, all of these things. It's just kind of ridiculous how good they've been this season. And I'm almost just waiting for like that Caleb Love game or something like that or a team to really test their defense because Arizona, although they have the defensive numbers, I don't think they're as good of a defensive team as we've seen this season. I know that's kind of like counterintuitive. You know, we've seen them uh, be undefeated this season. But I feel like if there's going to be one part where they can attack him at, that's the place that Purdue can maybe attack at and win this game. Burke, what are some of your thoughts? I think that this is truly a battle of the regular season giants. Like it's both programs possessing some of the best teams in their program's history. Honestly, Um, it's just, it's interesting that these, both of these programs are the ones that both tend to fall short in March, but man, they are just both stacked right now. I have to say, um, I mean, Tommy Lloyd has real Arizona just firing on all cylinders. Like uh, they're an absolute force to be reckoned with since he took the job from Miller. And uh, I, at the end of the day with all this, I mean, Pele Larson, I just want to shout out his last game because he's coming off the largest game of his career. 21 points, six for six from the field for, for four for four from deep. That dude killed us. I think. Yeah. Last year killed the Hoosiers last year. And uh, yeah, that's just a name I always keep an eye out on when I see him on the floor. Um, but as for who's going to win this game, I genuinely believe Purdue gets the win. Like it's it's going to be a huge pro Purdue crowd in Indianapolis. In Indianapolis, and uh, Arizona Arizona's formula for victory it, it has to do a lot on how they're sinking shots that day. Um, it's a much more variance on it's a like the result of that formula is left up to so much more variance than the result of the formula that Purdue has to work with. Um, I mean, just getting it to Edie is such a, such a nice option to have. That being said, if Arizona gets out to a big lead initially, it'll be interesting to see how the Boilermakers would be able to rely on Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer to get them back into a game. Um, but I, I just don't see that, that, that being the issue here. Yeah, I think it's really important that Purdue gets into their half-court offense and really makes things happen from there, and they don't let Arizona get out into those fast breaks. One of the reasons why Arizona has so many uh, high numbers is because of how much fast-break offense they get. They have 47 points in the paint uh, per game this season. That's 10 more than Purdue has, which for Purdue, you have Zach Eady. It's like, where else would you score but in the paint, right? <laughs> Obviously, Smith and Lawyer can shoot the three, but like that's where I'd be going every single time. And a lot of it's because of that fast break offense. And so it's really going to be important here that Purdue actually makes them get into the paint and earn it, especially with the defensive anchor of Edie down there as well. So Yeah, uh, for, for, for whatever reason, I also just want to make sure that we point out that 
Purdue has a lot of a lot of points to guards. They they really have. Like uh coming off the game with Boo Booey, um, uh, followed by just what Sears had did last game. I think he dropped thirty five points on him. Um yeah, they're just gonna have to tighten it up there defensively. And oddly enough, that is Caleb Love like so I mean this is just such a great matchup and it's it's gonna be a great game to watch on Saturday. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I should preface, I said it's a final four matchup, but Purdue hasn't made one since nineteen eighty, so I can't really call it a final four matchup. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I'm glad we can still get a shot in to Purdue every now and then. Not to. I mean they're they're too good right now. Somebody's we gotta sing, keep them humble. We sing their praises so much on this show, we always have to find one way to get a shot yeah, in at them. There so, you go. Um so yeah. They don't like it when we talk bad about Braden Smith, so maybe we can do that a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, Purdue fans, I kid. All right, moving on. We have Indiana faces Kansas. So Kansas is obviously the number two team in the country at nine and one. Indiana's not having a bad season, seven and two. Obviously, that loss to Auburn last time was uh, not enjoyable for IU fans to watch. I was watching it with my in laws, and uh, they were not having a good time. You know, a little bit in the first half, they had a good time, but uh, once it kind of got away, that that wasn't really great to watch. But this one is at IU in Assembly Hall. There's gonna be a lot of crazy fans there. Hunter Dickinson makes his return to the Big Ten, so that's going to be really, really big. Uh, I don't know if he said anything on his podcast this week, but, you know, knowing him, he's probably got something to say about it, Um, so if he hasn't said anything yet, there probably will be something at some point, but Burke, what are your thoughts going to this one with IU versus Kansas? My thoughts in this one are we need a win on the resume. Like, this is the only opportunity for the Hoosiers to get a tournament resume mentor right here. Like, with this win, you can take your beatings in the big 10 and still come out with a bid. Um, but it's just, it's going to be a ruckus scene. Like it's going to be wild. Um, the assembly hall, like I think, I think Ken said we were too, it was going to be a two possession game in Kansas's favor. Um, but that being said, I, I think this is the, as far as depth goes, <clears throat> I think this is the most like gettable Kansas team that we've seen in a while. Um, in that Missouri game, they're just coming off of, I think, uh, four of their starters were tasked with at least 35 minutes each. I mean, they're absolutely the, some of the best starters in the country, but, uh, yeah, just a Missouri game in fog Allen. You wouldn't think you'd have to have them work that hard. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, as far as Hunter Dickinson coming back into the assembly hall, like it's, he will be reviled throughout it's going to be a rough 40 minutes for that man. And uh, yeah, I just, I just want to say this is the time to get them. If we are going to get Kansas, it it is now because Bill self, the chance he took on Arterio Morris that immediately bit him in the ass, like that depth spot. If it was used on anybody other than him, if he just had the time to go get that guy, uh, I, I think this Kansas team would be way better off, but they, once, once you get through that initial, five you have nick timberlake coming off the bench who has been a letdown of a transfer um and yeah it's but see the problem with that is where bill self will write his starters all day mike woodson will not to like the extent that he should so it's it ah, it's just a tale of two different coaching philosophies and kansas is has more often than not been the winning one um it's going to take a Herculean effort by our guys 
But uh, I, I have faith that Indiana can come out with the victory here. I have to. Well, I think Halawa has been, you know, exactly what you needed him to be this season on the inside. He still doesn't show that fire uh, that maybe you'd like to see, but I mean, he's getting it done. He's leading the team in a lot of statistics, doing really well, exactly what you want from a big man. And Malik Renew down there as well is, an, is a really nice compliment to his game. I think, it, I think a lot of this comes down to the backcourt for IU. You know, is Gabe Cups able to make things happen? I don't think Xavier Johnson's coming back for this one, right, Burke? No, no, yeah. it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, so can Gabe Cups play up and, and be more than just kind of a high-energy defender? Can Trey Galloway be who this team needs him to be? I mean, he's been kind of a disappointment this season. I don't want to say he's been bad, but he's just not been who this team needs him to be in the backcourt. Um, and, and really, at the end of the day, this Kansas team runs basically everything through Hunter Dickinson. He leads this team in points. He leads them in rebounds. He leads them in three-point shooting. I mean, uh, he kind of is their do-everything guy. If Kalel Ware can play good defense and play good offense against him, and, and I'm not going to say shut him down, but at least play well against him so he's not unleashed, um, I think IU has a good chance of winning this one. Uh, and it'll really come down to the backcourt to see how they play. Anthony, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, so I think Dickinson versus Ware is such an intriguing matchup. Um, they're both, you know, they're both really capable big guys on the interior, but they can also stretch it out when they need to. There's just a lot of versatility that both of them bring. I think both teams are going to play through them. Um, Kansas, obviously the big guys have been their bread and butter for, you know, as long as Bill self's been there, he's had a big that he can rely on. So, you know, he knew that was a spot he needed to fill on the team this year. And he did that. I agree with you on the depth of Kansas. So this is one of their shallower teams that they've had. When you bring in the guys off the bench that they do, um, you know, you have Furphy, who's a freshman, super streaky. You have, you know, Timberlake's not been anything to write home about. You know, they they have some really, really good playmakers in obviously Dickinson. And then, you know, um, McCuller is one of the best two-way players in the country. Defensively, game changer. Offensively, he's, you know, dribble drive, can knock it down from deep. He's, he's so versatile. Um, those two, you know, if you... If you can contain them even somewhat like Marquette did, right? You can, Indiana's got a good chance. It's going to be, Assembly Hall is going to be buzzing. It's going to be crazy in there. You know, anytime a, a you know, high tier blue blood comes in, there's, you know, weird things can happen in Assembly Hall, even if it's not, not their best day. That said, Indiana has to make shots. They are woeful at shooting from deep. And this is me as a Michigan state fan saying that like their Michigan state is also woeful from deep. So if Indiana is not making shots, um, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to climb, you know, climb out from behind a lead. But I think they'll, I think they'll give Kansas a really, really tough run. Um, in the end, I think that, um, Kansas just has a little bit more athleticism. I think even though they're a shallower rotation, they play that rotation really, you know, really well um so you know indiana has to capitalize when they're when the starters are not on the floor but in general i think kansas is gonna keep their guys in as long as they can and i think they sneak away with one from assembly hall yeah, I think the three point percentage is a really uh, is a really good indicator there. IU only shoots it looks like thirteen three pointers if I'm rounding up thirteen three pointers a game, and they're only making like twenty five percent of those. I think twenty seven percent is the exact number. So when you're shooting that few and you're only making that few, um, that's definitely a weak spot for them. Um, Trey Galloway, we, we don't like this new flashy basketball, man. We don't like it. <laughs> 
Get back to the old days. Get back to the old days when we were hanging banners and having fun in Bloomington. Damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I, I, uh, I think that would be a, a big thing for you guys. Just erase the three-point line in Assembly Hall. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. Indiana immediately. Oh, their stock goes through the roof in that case, man. That'd be huge. So, um, yeah, I think, unfortunately, I have to pick Kansas in this one as well, even though I do like the matchup of Kalel Ware and Hunter Dickinson. Uh, I, unfortunately, I, I, Gabe Kepps is just going to have to show us something that he hasn't shown us yet offensively uh, in order for, to make this happen, and that's really, really difficult for a true freshman to make happen against Kansas. It is at home, so we'll see what he can do. Uh, but, but yeah, that's who I'm going to go. I, I am intrigued by seeing Hunter Dickinson back in an arena that truly knows him mm-hmm. like that knows his history because I I've been, I was listening to some Kansas podcasts just to get a little taste of what they're thinking about this game. And they were just like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he's going to go in there and it's going to be so much animosity thrown his way and unrightfully so blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no man, everything about Hunter Dickinson, everything he will receive is warranted that might be the single largest truth i know in sport whatever is going hunter dickinson's way in this game is warranted i i think that's the funny part of this transfer portal in a lot of ways is we see a lot of teams like get new players and they like talk themselves into like oh they're they're just so awesome but like for us ohio state last year it happened with isaac likely you know i remember talking to like oh this guy's a really good defender kind of a do-it-all guy mm-hmm. um you know maybe he can't score too well but you know that's okay and of all fans i had an oklahoma state fan you know comment on one of my things on twitter and he was like no dude Things are not going to go well. The, the guy's really bad. He's not going to play well. He's not going to score you any – like, he, he only gets points in garbage time against bad teams. Like, it's not going to go well. And long behold, he was right because I was likely couldn't couldn't do anything defensively, <laughs> yeah. and it was frustrating all season long. So um, so we'll see what happens here. I do think it's funny on my CBB analytics. I'd show you if I could, but um, – for IU, it's like the paint and the area around the hoop. It's like very red, and the rest of it is just like very blue. Oh yeah. <laughs> for Kansas, it's like everything's just like a little red, and then under the hoop, it's like very red. Um, and so yeah, it's just it's a sharp contrast. And then when you get to the three point line, it's like ice cold blue. Uh, so we'll see if IU can change any of that. So. Uh, we did get a comment. Isaac Wright, uh, have you talked about the Nebraska versus Kansas State game yet? We are going to talk about that one last. That will be last on the agenda um, to talk about. So stick around through the episode, and we'll get to that one. All right, let's get to our next one. Baylor faces Michigan State. Anthony, these are your guys. Um, it's been a tough season for Michigan State. Tyson Walker, I still think, has been very good. Uh, the front court for Michigan State has not been fantastic. Still looking for some answers there. I don't understand why Xavier Booker is just sitting on the bench in all these big games. That was one of the guys that I thought was going to be big this season, a big impactful player because Michigan State needed it. Uh, but Tom Izzo has just decided to put him on the bench and not really do anything with him. And Maddie Sissoko and some of these other guys just aren't aren't getting it done uh, in the front court for Michigan State. So, Anthony, I'm curious, what are your thoughts going in this game against Baylor? Yeah, so you say Xavier Booker. It's a very polarizing name on the in the tweets of Michigan State fans these days because it, it's it's a clear pointer that you know 
he was given five stars after a really good tournament he had over the summer, but there are other flashes where he showed he was not ready. You see him on the floor and you see that he looks not ready. Now that said, if you don't have any options at center, why not give him some run and let him at least try to figure things out a little bit? You know, that's my two cents on it, but I, I know that he's frustrated. I know that he wants to do better. I know that, 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 you know, Izzo's trying, you know, put a lot of puzzle pieces in different places and, you know, nothing's really clicked so far. Um, but I think this game for Michigan State, obviously their seasons looked a little bit different than I use, but I think it has a similar timbre where it's against a high level opponent in a, it's not at home at the Breslin, but it's in a quasi home environment at Little Caesars in Detroit um, against a high level team and an opportunity to put a signature win on their non-conference schedule before they get into the brutal Big Ten play. Even if the Big Ten's down this year, every game is going to be a battle. So, you know, I think this is an opportunity that MSU can't really pass up, you know, to get that, to get a signature win, to get them. They're on the, they're on the outside of the bubble right now. They're not even on the bubble based on what they've done so far. So looking at the numbers, um, obviously Baylor's going is humming on offense right now. They're uh, number two in the country offensive rating, and they're the number one three point shooting team in the, in the nation. They have, um, uh, Ray J De- Dennis, Jaden Nunn, Jacoby Walter are all shooting bonkers numbers. Um, the good news for MSU is typically they've done, they're pretty good defensively, even, especially the guards in terms of, you know, containing other teams. So I think, you know, Walker, Aikens, Hogard, when they're dialed in, can contain, uh, you know, an, an elite backcourt where MSU struggles is in the paint. Now, Baylor has size, but I would not say the center is necessarily the, you know, that's not the focus or the feature on their team. Baylor's always had good, you know, good guards. So I think this matchup is favorable for MSU in terms of like they, their, their weaknesses are, are Baylor's weaknesses. So I think this is a game that MSU can come in and be, be competitive, but it totally depends on what MSU do we see the first, you know, 10 minutes of the game, right? If we see an MSU team that comes out flat, uninspired, body language isn't good. This is an ugly game and it doesn't, MSU dig themselves in a 15 point hole and then has to try to scratch out of it for the rest of the game. We've seen it multiple times this season. Um, what this game is going to come down to, obviously MSU's three point shooting has not been great. So if they can make shots that, that will help. Um, the other thing that they have to do is they have to rebound, right? They are not, they've not been a good defensive rebounding team. They've let teams destroy them on the offensive boards. Unfortunately for them, this is one place where Baylor is really strong. They're number six in the country in offensive rebound percentage. So I don't think that that bodes well for Michigan State, giving Baylor lots of second chance points. Um, for that reason alone, I don't think MSU gets it done on um, on Saturday. But I think this is, you know, based on all those other things I said, I, I think MSU gives them a good fight. But I think ultimately rebounding is going to lose in this game and they'll um They'll be scratching their heads at four and six, trying to figure things out. Yeah, it's definitely not been the season that uh, Michigan State fans thought. I would, I do want to give credit to Michigan State because they, I mean, they've not been awful in every single area. Um, they are getting a good amount of fast break points, you know, uh, nearly fifteen a game, so that's working well for them. They, their defensive rating was higher than I 
thought it was. You know, that is some place where where they've been able to make things happen, and they're actually turning the ball over at a lower rate than Baylor is. So there are a few things here that Michigan State can look at and really work on and really uh, find some kind of angle to beat Baylor at here. And you're exactly right, Anthony. Uh, Baylor's weaknesses do coincide with the Michigan State weaknesses. Uh, so if they can lean on their better players, they can find a way to beat Baylor in this one. I kind of am with you. I, I, I lean more toward Baylor, but I'm also one of those people that, you know, Tom Izzo can put it together at any point. I know I said in the last two episodes, I don't think Michigan State's even going to make the NCAA tournament, but I just know now that I said that, Tom Izzo is going to figure something out and get these boys rolling uh, because that's just what Tom Izzo does. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see uh, if they can have that bounce back game because they've had these opportunities and they just haven't happened yet. But Burke, what are your thoughts? Speaking to them being able to bounce back, I mean, this is their worst start since the 2003 to 2004 season, um, which in that season, Michigan State was still able to go 12 and four in the Big Ten, turn it around and get in as a seventh seed. So, I mean, hey, it's not too late, but it is crucial to get this win in particular. Like you need you need a resume builder. You need something that they can point to in that non-conference. And this would be a great help. Now. At like Michigan State's backcourt, that that is going to be the bread and butter. That's where that's where the production is going to be coming from. And Baylor has been an NBA guard training ground. Um, so while they do cancel out each other, I I I just feel like at the end of the day in this one, uh, the front court of Jalen Bridges and Yves Missy for Baylor have given a little more than we've seen out of Madi and company. And uh, ultimately, I, I think it might just be a little too much for the Spartans. But, hey, Walker could show up, go absolutely off, and then uh, Michigan State has that resume builder. Yeah, I mean, Anthony, at what point does Tom Izzo just say, who cares, and just puts four guards out there, or heck, five guards out there? I don't know. At, at some point, does he just say, screw the front court and just go... <laughs> let the guards work i what do you think i've seen the small ball work what i do know is that when he started two centers it went just about as well as you'd expect it to have gone um <laughs> what game was that against? i don't know why you did that but it didn't work <laughs> that i i have a really nice tweet actually of kind of comparing the 2003-4 season to the 23-24 season there's a lot of parallels between those two teams um, if you if you really dig into it, I won't get into it here for the sake of time. But if you have a chance, I'll maybe I'll throw that up and you know afterwards. But it's yeah, it's there. There's a lot. There's a lot there. That team started five and six, I think. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, it's similar to uh, the the four and five here. So um, yeah, like I said, Tom Izzo he he's always able to to seem to pull something out of his hat and make something happen. We'll see if he can do it this season. Um, I mean, I, I go back to the same thing I've gone to. The players just don't look like the players that Tom Izzo's been able to do that with. They just they don't seem as inspired. They don't seem like they have the motivation there. And at a certain point, like I, I know people don't like to hear this because nobody likes to criticize college basketball players, like athletes in general. I get that they're college players, but at a certain point, like we just have to we have to look at these players and say, like, are you really trying? Like, I, I, what are you saying, Burke? I just wanted to uh, bounce back on that a little. Like you say, these players don't really look like the players that he can get that out of. These players are the players he got that he already got this out of them. 
Like their, their last season, the way last season ended for them, that is not how the regular season went for him. Like it, it, he 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 has proven he can do it with these guys, but man, just the way they they started this season is something to behold. Well, he he did it with overweight Hogard. He didn't do it with yeah. shape Hogard. There you go. <laughs> I heard Carter Smith say that on the Sleeper Media, uh, and I thought I thought that was so funny. So I'll have to give Carter Smith a uh, uh, credit there. But yeah, no, I. I, I, I'm with you. I hear what you're saying. He did it with them before, but at the same time, it's like, are those guys the same guys? I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I, I want Michigan State to be good. Don't get me wrong. I want them to be good because I think that they make the Big Ten better when they're good. And, and ultimately, I just want the Big Ten to finally do something in the NCAA tournament so we can get that monkey off of our back and people can stop talking about that. Um, but But we'll see. We'll see what happens. So uh, before we get to our next game, I want to remind you, CBB Analytics. CBB Analytics has all of your an- analytical needs for college basketball. You can go there. You can find offensive ratings. You can find defensive ratings. You can find stats for players. They give you like a rating system uh, for, or a percentage system, not just ranks. So that way you can know how to players stack up, how to teams stack up. And you also have the team comparison tool that I use in all of these previews. Uh, and then there's also the game recap tool that I use in all of the recaps as well super beneficial super good to have i have the pro tier uh but even if you are somebody who you don't want to pay for it the free tier also has really good stuff so go check them out cbb analytics a lot of good stuff that you can find there all right guys let's get to ohio state versus ucla um i have recovered from the penn state loss kind of um i i wanted to just burn the program down um i'm not there anymore i'm like moderately like just you know maybe scream at everybody for a little bit and then go from there i'm not i'm not as uh, pessimistic as i once was um but call me call me a glutton for punishment because i believe in this team again let's see if bruce thornton can do it let's see if roddy gale can make it happen can felix akpara get it um i'm interested on you guys' thoughts on what ohio state can do here with a ucla bruins team that i think is talented but just not having the best start to the year uh definitely not as good as they were last year but still a talented ucla bruins team that i think even though they haven't figured it out yet they should be able to figure out at some point this season burke what are some of your thoughts well, I mean, hey, UCLA is built with a young international core, but they have a Chicago native in Sebastian Mack leading the charge with their production, like any, like any, you know, self-respective American should. And uh, it's he he's gonna be the do or die for them. Like he's gonna either beat the Buckeyes or not. But I, I expect Ohio State's at like insanely athletic backcourt just to dictate this one in favor of the Buckeyes. I mean, uh, yes, a game in which you give up an 18-point second-half lead to lose to a Penn State squad is alarming. That is truly alarming. I lost a buck now. Yeah, yeah. Even if that game was played at Penn State, still alarming. But I feel like just letting a lead like that go to the right team can almost be a galvanizing event. Like, Like, they ain't gonna let that happen again. They are going to take their foot off the gas. And uh, I, I think Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale are going to come out here ready to go. Oh, you're such an optimist, Burke. I thought I'm always thing. an optimist, man. I thought the same thing last year. <laughs> I'm such an lost, idiot. I'm such lost, an idiot. Like, <laughs> they lost like 
15 of 16 or something like that last year. So, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too pessimistic. Anthony, what are some of your thoughts on this game? So, a word of caution in watching any game or any team that's coached by Mick Cronin, he likes to play slow. UCLA likes to draw out their possessions. They're going to take the shot clock down to five every single possession. That's how they played. That's how Mick Cronin coached when he was um, at what Xavier Cincinnati? Where was he at? Um, Cincinnati. Um, and that's, that's how he, that's how he coaches, you know, here at UCLA. They're, they're teams that defend pretty well. They play slow. And I think in a game like that, Ohio state, even though their defense has not been anything to write home about, um, I think that just sheer number of possessions, UCLA isn't going to wow you offensively. I think Ohio State is going to capitalize on their offensive possessions more. They've got buckets, right, on their team. Bruce Thornton, walking bucket. Rowdy Yale, walking bucket. Jamison Battle, walking bucket. Of course, I say that, they're all going to go cold. But in, yeah, I know how it goes. But in general, I think that this is a this is a game that favors Ohio state. And I think they're going to take better advantage of the offensive possessions that they have. Just know that this one's going to be a slog when you watch your team defend UCLA. Yeah. I mean, the thing that does give me hope in this one is that, like you said, they play, they play slow, so they don't get as many shots up. So it's not exactly, uh, you know, the same comparison to IU, but UCLA does only take 13, three pointer, uh, three pointers a game. So I'm not as concerned about them hitting a bunch of three pointers like Penn state did and getting 54 points in the second half. However, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here. I'm not, I, I'm never concerned about Chris Holtman's offense. It always seems like Chris Holtman has some type of guy on offense. It's always the defense that gives me more concern than anything else. I know Jamison battle is going to get his Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale. They're going to get his, uh, but for me, it's just about that defense for, for Ohio state. Can they, can they put it all together and make it happen? I mean, Ohio State's offensive rating is in the 97th percentile in the country. Very, very good. I think last year they were like top five most of the season, even though they were a 500 team in offense. And uh, and then, you know, they were just, they were down in the cellars in defense. And this year, they're not as far down in the cellar. They're in the 70th percentile in defense. But still, you know, that's that's kind of a large you know, margin between the two of them. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in this one. UCLA plays really, really good defense. They're in the 92nd percentile with their defensive rating. Um, so I think it's going to be a good matchup to see how do these two teams play against each other. Can UCLA's defense counteract Ohio State's offense? And then how do they get the points off of each other? Do the teams uh, go out and, um, and get any fast break points? Because both of them really, really struggle in that area. In fact, UCLA gets more fast break points than Ohio State. Kind of interesting to think about with um, how slow they play, but uh, but it's going to be interesting, uh, one for sure. So I, I, I'm i going to take Ohio State. I'm going to be a homer, okay? Uh, but let's just say I'm not super confident. <laughs> yeah, before moving on to the next one, I just want to say shout-out to Cronin for playing Big Ten ball far earlier than he had to. Yeah, no, I – I love I love that uh, these teams are coming and playing Big Ten teams more. We've we've kind of exnayed the ACC challenge. No, I just mean the style. His style of play is oh, Big Ten basketball. Big like, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's gonna be he's gonna fit right in when UCLA oh, yeah. comes over. Yeah, I don't know if the other teams will, but they will. 
<laughs> they'll figure it out. So, all right, very good. Let's move on to the next one. Penn State plays Georgia Tech. Penn State, of course, coming off of their huge win over Ohio State where they came back from an 18-point deficit. Uh, Kanye Cleary really led that charge. Uh, Wahab really made a big effort in that game as well. So we'll see if they can get the same thing to happen. Ace Baldwin's just been solid all season long. I don't know if I've seen a bad game from him. His production has dipped here and there, but I, I wouldn't even say those were bad games. He, he just seems to do whatever Penn State needs each game. I'm still trying to find the identity for this Penn State team. Are they a defensive team? Are they, uh, you know, a, a, a front court team, a back court team? I don't know if they really have that identity yet but they always seem to do at least in their wins they always seem to do what they need and in those losses it's it's been where they've kind of not really done what's needed to happen so it's definitely interesting to see but uh anthony i'm curious your thoughts in this penn state georgia tech game yeah so you know prior to the game against ohio state penn state looked like a team that was lost right they had five they were on a five game skid they were not shooting well they're still not shooting great but they you know get hot when they need to what they do and what you know Penn State teams have been doing the last 5 years is they turn over the they turn over their opponents really well so you know they're they're not necessarily always going to play sound defense but they are going to you know kind of force the game to get a little helter skelter um I don't think either of these teams Penn State or Georgia Tech is particularly great at shooting from deep I think both are sub 275 um shooting percentage wise so it's not, I don't see this being a, you know, a barn burner of a game. Um, you know, I think um, when you have, you know, more scoring type guards, like, you know, Kanye Clary and Ace Baldwin, they've, they've really been, you know, doing more of their damage inside. I think that will, that will play well for Penn State. I think they'll have a little bit more, you know, offensive mindedness with that. I think Wahab can be a force. He showed that he can be a force at times. You know, it's a matter of consistency for him. And I think on, on Georgia Tech's side, they have a lot of, you know, kind of the wing rangy forward, you know, 6'5 to 6'7 guys. They have a bunch of them. And they really only have one, I would say, one legitimate big guy option. He didn't start playing at the beginning of the year, Bay uh, Nadongo, but he's, you know, kind of come onto the scene of late. Um, he had a huge game against Duke. Uh, Georgia Tech had a big upset against Duke, and he went he went off in that one. Uh, both sides of the ball, I think he's a defensive guy that can contain a guy like Wahab. Um, I think with all that in mind, though, I still like Penn State in this one in a battle of two teams that I think are still trying to find themselves. You know, they have some big wins, but they also have some you know concerning qualities to them too. So I like I like Penn State in this one. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I'll probably go with Penn State in this one as well. I do think that Penn State is going to need to uh, really improve their rebounding to win in this one. Georgia Tech gets nearly 15 offensive rebounds a game. That That's huge. Um, and, and I was just looking to, to refresh myself to see if there's any spectacular offensive rebound on this, on this team. And there's nobody who really stands out as great. I mean, uh, Nadongo, he averages 2.6 per game. So... You know, like that's that's impressive, but uh, they have three guys who average two or more per game. So it's just kind of a collective team effort to get on the offensive glass. And Pitt State's not been great 
on defensive rebounding this season. They've only got uh, 22.5 per game this year, so they're really going to need to lock down, keep Georgia Tech off the glass if they want to make those defensive possessions count because at the end of the day, Penn State, they're not a terrible defensive team. Uh, I think they're actually probably a better defensive team than they are offensive team, uh, but they really need to make those possessions count where they get stops. Uh, Burke, what are some of your thoughts on this one? Well, initial thought is this really like does deflate the meaning of like the bright lights of Madison Square Garden a bit. This is an odd game to be played there. An odd game. Like, is this Madison Square Garden's first appearance on BTN? It, uh, it has to be. Probably. It has to be. Well, yeah, it's just it's it's an odd matchup for that environment. But uh, Georgia Tech, they have some very respectable wins. They have some very, very respectable wins. Uh, including a, t- a tough Mississippi State team, a uh, probably too soft to do something real in March Duke team, um, but they are, they are the Miles Kelly show. And uh, when he's locked in, they will perform well. When he's not, they just don't. And uh, Penn State, Penn State showed some real grit in that Ohio State game. They did uh, fighting back like that, but uh, that's that's largely been absent throughout the whole season for them. But I think this game is like due to just their breadth of production, I think they have the advantage over Georgia Tech. Like uh, just just being a bit more stable for the Nittany Lions, like Kanye Clary uh, has been producing extremely well on the season. And uh, I like the supporting cast he has in Ace Baldwin Jr. and Cutis Wahab more than I like Miles Kelly's in uh, Kawasi Reeves Jr. and freshman forward uh, Bay Nadongo. Nadongo, yeah, that's that's one that you have to practice a few times. Yeah, um, all these names, I, I, I there's too many names I have to practice. Like Stur Stur Devont, um, I'm probably saying that wrong, but I, I I saw that one earlier and I was like, I'm not I'm not putting that one on the bottom ticker down there because it's too long. I'll be able to fit like points per game, and that's <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah, no, Kelly Kelly is is really their their offense that makes them work. I mean, 17 points per game uh when i was looking at this game and kind of just looking at some of the stats i've watched georgia tech a little bit this year but but not extensively um i would have expected their um assists per game to be lower but they're i mean they're getting 13 assists per game that's not good but that's not bad either that's okay uh and that's that's four more assists per game or no two more assists per game than penn state's getting at 10.8 assists per game so uh they're actually sharing the ball better than Penn State is, which kind of surprised me uh, just by watching. But um, but yeah, Penn State, they're definitely going to have to play some solid defense, make those kind of things happen uh, in order to win this game. And they're going to have to do a better job of shooting the three ball. They take uh, 24 three-pointers a game, and they're only shooting 31%. So if you're going to take that many three-pointers a game, you need to start hitting more than just um, than just 31%. Uh, need to probably be up at least above 35 to uh, really make those threats happen uh and and be good enough to beat some of these good teams that can come up and win like georgia tech so but but you mentioned the schedule burke um i do like their wins over duke and mississippi state uh but a loss to cincinnati a loss to umass lowell um at georgia a loss there some of those are just puzzling so we'll see what kind of georgia tech team we get in this one any more thoughts on this one anthony uh no i think it's um It'll be it'll be interesting to see how you know Georgia Tech's kind of a team that's morphed a little bit over the over the course of the season with Nadango kind of coming on as of late. 
but I think you're right. You know, if they if they don't get anything from their supporting cast and their their usual starter isn't up to his, you know, who's their uh, their main guard, um, I think if he's not up to the task, then I think it's going to be a long. It could be a really long day for them. Um, yeah. So I I I think in general this is going to favor Penn State. Um, and also, you know, something East Coast. It's Madison Square Garden. It's not necessarily it's not Penn State, but it's they're closer somewhat geographically. So maybe they'll have more fans. In New York, I don't know. I'm always a little salty about MSG because um, I think Michigan State has historic. I think they're four and fourteen or some something crazy like that all time at Madison Square Garden under Izzo. They're just horrendously bad there. I, I never like watching games there. I always feel like they're ugly. Well, you guys should try playing Georgia Tech there. It sounds like they're letting Georgia Tech play there. Now. <laughs> I was going to ask, what's their record on freight carriers there, Anthony? They are zero and two. I'll give them. A, I'll give them a pass. Or no, zero and three because they played. Um, they played Arizona too. I think was on a freight carrier. Oh, did they? I thought they only had two games on the freight carrier. Maybe it was only two. I think you're. Right. I think it was. Arizona was a military one, but yeah, I think it is just a two. But I'll give them the. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for playing in conditions. I always want to watch those freight carrier games because I'm like, who's going to get motion sickness? You know. <laughs> Jeez. All right, let's look at our final game. Nebraska faces off against Kansas State. Nebraska, uh, mighty team. They were undefeated at one point this season, and then they faced Creighton. That game obviously did not go the way they wanted to, so that was a little bit unfortunate. However, you know, I still think this Nebraska team is is better than the Nebraska teams that we've seen in the past. Fred Hoiberg has his team looking uh, pretty good. Uh, their their offensive rating and their defensive rating are more similar this year. I think that's been huge for them. Um, they haven't been as good on offense as they have a few other times throughout Fred Hoiberg's career, but the defense is up there as well, which is really, really helping them. Um, but the loss to Minnesota and the loss to Creighton, uh, the Creighton loss is respectable, but for a team that was playing as well as Nebraska, you really like to see them uh, get that win over Minnesota. It is on the road. However, um, you know, Probably playing playing a little bit down after being disappointed about Creighton, I guess. But um, Anthony, you're the one that's probably seen Nebraska most recently since they played Michigan State last. What are some of your thoughts on them facing Kansas State? Yeah, so this is obviously I'm I'm screaming for Nebraska to continue to do well this season to prove that that was a quote unquote good loss, a resume no, building is. loss, if you could call it that, for Michigan State. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to have a letdown game and, and, you know, just make me, make me hate that loss even more. Um, offensively, I think they are a pretty, you know, pretty solid team. They don't shoot the ball super great, but they've got a couple guys who can kind of go off it at any given moment. You know, uh, Tominaga can just, he can, he can hit it from anywhere. Um, I think, in, I think their uh, backcourt trio, Bryce Williams, Tominaga and um, Juwan Gary are a top, I wouldn't say top three, but a top, you know, top half of the big 10 in terms of backcourts. They have a really, that really, you know, they play very well together. They're fairly athletic, fairly good size. Um, they've got a, you know, a good uh, steady center in, um, in rank mast. Um, they just, they, they made Michigan state look silly in terms of rebounding. Um, you know, that's not hard to do, but that was something that just, you know, second chance points were a killer. In 
it's going to be a really fun matchup. This is uh, this is the most intriguing game for me to pick in terms of just the the teams playing each other. Um, K State fun team to watch. I like you know Jerome Tang as a coach. He's you know kind of upstart. Um, I th- I, I think he's going to be you know one of the names to watch as coaches who are just on you know going to be steady over the next decade or so. Um, obviously they lost Marquise Noel last year. They're doing their best to re- replace him with an undersized point guard, kind of the straw that stirs the drink with, um, with Tyler Perry. Um, and I think he's doing admirable. Obviously he's not putting up Noel numbers, but he's, you know, he's distributing the ball really well. He's scoring really effectively. Um, I think K-State looks like a really, you know, fun team to watch. They do offensive rebound very well. So Nebraska is going to have to bring their A game, A game on the boards. Um, I think this one is going to be a fun backcourt matchup with um, with Perry, with Kaluma, and Cam Carter on um, on Kansas State. That's I, I think they're two really fun backcourts to watch score against each other. It's going to be who can get the stops in this game, right? Who's going to bring their defense? Um, for me, I like Kansas State in this one uh, ever so slightly. Um, I just think it's um, I think the rebounding is going to be you know going to be enough of a difference maker that's that's going to um, that's going to decide this one. I think Nebraska has a little bit of a letdown game after a big win against Michigan state. Yeah. I think Rake mass is really going to have to put together a good rebounding performance. Like you said, uh, Kansas state 14 and a half offensive rebounds, similar to what we talked about with Georgia tech and this one, just a really solid offensive rebounding team. Uh, and they get, again, they get a lot of their production from everybody. Uh, Kaluma gets 2.7 offensive rebounds per game. And then everybody else contributes a little bit as well. So, um, you know, rank mass is really going to have to be that primary rebounder. He gets, I'm trying to get it here. Yeah. 9.7 rebounds per game. That's really, really good, uh, for, for, uh, a big guy playing for Nebraska to be able to make that happen. And that's one thing I'm noticing with Nebraska this season is they just, they seem to be playing more inspired basketball as a team. It doesn't look like one guy, you know, trying to take the whole team with them or anything like that. Everybody looks like they're inspired and it looks like everybody's buying into Fred Hoiberg. This is looking like a team that you would, think you were going to get from Fred Hoiberg when he first came into the conference before he starts getting some of his talented players around him. Not to say that Nebraska's players aren't talented. That's not what I'm saying. But they just they play some more inspired ball uh, to to make up for some of their lack of talent in some areas, like when they're playing a Michigan State or like when they're playing some of these other teams that uh, have more talent than them. Burke, what are some of your thoughts on Nebraska facing Kansas State? I, I think that the Nebraska faithful right now, they, I think after that Michigan state win, they got to rope in a lot of those people who were like, Oh, same old Nebraska. They got to bring them back into the fold. And then this is an opportunity for them to grab everybody who was straying along, like with that same old Nebraska idea. This win could really make a point that this is a different squad. We're seeing. Um, I truly believe, honestly, uh, all the talk has always been Kase, Kase. Um, when discussing Nebraska, but I, I think the front court is vastly slept on. Um, with uh, Josiah Alec going down, um, oddly enough, I think their best five are now on the floor. Uh, with uh, Juwan Gary stepping into that starting role to fill that void, um, it, he he was my personal pick for like Big Ten Six Man of the Year right now. He's been just such a dominant force for them off the bench. And such a nice piece, which, I mean, th- having that in your pocket is always great. 
But uh, he's absolutely earned every one of these starting minutes he's going to get. And I'm excited to see what he can do with them. Um, yeah, he, 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 him and Rink Mast are the two stabilizing forces of this team, I think. And having them both on the court for like at the very start of this game, it's, it's going to be something. So, yeah, I, I, I like Nebraska in this one. I do. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I'll probably pick Nebraska as well. I don't know if I feel super confident in the pick, but if I'm just going based on uh, vibes and how, how I want to believe in a Big Ten team, you know, I'll go with Nebraska um, in this one. I agree with the with the Gary sixth man of the year. If Alec was able to stay healthy and he uh, was able to be the sixth man all season long, I think he'd be an obvious pick because he just comes off the bench with that energy I was talking about to really help ignite the team and give them what they need. And, and I mean, when your guy coming off the bench is leading your team in scoring, it's pretty impressive to be able to do that. Uh, and only averaging, um, 26 minutes per game. That's another huge thing with this, a huge thing with this Nebraska team. You don't have guys averaging, you know, 30 or averaging. You don't have guys playing 36, 37 minutes a game every single night. You have a lot of guys going in, a lot of guys coming out, keeping guys legs fresh, making those kind of things happen. So it's definitely interesting. We'll see how it goes. I agree. Tom and is a good player, but He's not really the the star on the court. He's kind of got the star name, but he's not really the star on the court of this team. It's it's much more the front court, which is which is nice to see. So, Anthony, you got any additional thoughts on this game? Yeah, Rink Mass is is he's just like he's steady Eddie. He's as you know consistent as they come. You're, you know you're you kind of know what you're going to get from him every night. You know you're going to get ten to thirteen points ish. You know you're going to get around ten rebounds. It's good to have a stabilizing. He's not, I wouldn't say he's an elite big man, but he is in today's game as much as you would want out of a big man in, in a team with a, with a backcourt that has as much potential and upside as, as Nebraska's does. You, it's nice to have a stabilizing force like that on the inside. So I, I think this is a really fun matchup. I'm, I'm really excited about this one. These are two, I'd say, upstart programs in the, in the you know, context of their conference. Yeah, definitely two good coaches. I mean, Jerome Tang, he was really, really good last season, building another good team. For- no, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not Talk about another you. Madison Square Garden loss. Michigan State, uh, that Kansas State game was just crazy. They, that was such an exciting game. But, you know, it proves, you know, Tang, you know, in a in a battle of titans in a, in a venue like that, he didn't he, – the lights weren't too bright for him, so – well, and and, and he, his it wasn't too bright for his players either. I mean, his players pl- played really, really inspired ball in that game. Uh, truthfully, I had forgotten about that, uh, Anthony. And so you just reminded me. Oh, that I never forget. I put I put two teams that were probably painful for you to talk about in this game. Uh, so sorry about that. You can't hurt me I, anymore. Just <laughs> numb to it all at this point. <laughs> just keep uh, looking at your uh, football team's off season, and uh, and that'll be really nice. So take the wins where they come. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Burke, you got any additional thoughts on these two teams? No, just big opportunity for C.J. Wilshire to uh, snowball. I mean, he had 10 points against Michigan State in his 15 minutes. Um, Now that Juwan, Gary's in that starting role, um, somebody needs to take that supplemental production title. Yep. Yep, they do. They do. All right. Well, that's all I got for the game previews. Um, 
I didn't put this in the notes, but I'll ask you guys really fast if uh, you have any thoughts on the Juwan Howard situation and the drama that's going on there. I I know I make Michigan fans mad with how much we talk about their drama, but I always tell them just don't have drama anymore, and I won't talk about it. <laughs> you. You have any thoughts on Juwan Howard, Burke? Uh, yeah. I mean, I whether they know what happened or doesn't, like as the mass public, he doesn't really get the benefit of the doubt. So, uh, yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see what this internal investigation does. Like Michigan must be sick and tired. I, I, I need, I need to get in the internal investigation game. How do you, how does one become a Michigan university internal investigator? Cause those dudes are making bank right now. Up in Michigan, they definitely are. Uh, PI firms as well, they're doing okay. Um, uh, up in Michigan, well, I guess I don't know if they were hired up in Michigan or not. But uh, Anthony, you got any thoughts on the Juwan Howard situation? Yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, you know, to Michigan fans, even if like if Juwan Howard wasn't the coach at the end of this season, would that be the worst thing in the world? Might be an addition by subtraction type deal. I just don't. I was never convinced with him. I I think his best season was with was with Beeline's best players that were all put together. And since then, he's put his recruiting classes. He's tried to put things together, and it's just I haven't really seen it from him. I haven't I haven't been convinced that it's a, you know. So as to where the investigation goes, I don't know. But like just like with everything going on in football, like grab the popcorn and just you know kick back your feet and enjoy the enjoy the circus unfolding before you. Um, you know, I think, I think, you know, with, with, uh, Phil Martelli is honestly, I think has kind of been the brains behind the operation where Michigan's succeeded. So that's just, I would continue to roll with him if things are in question with Juwan, right? Yeah, I know. I, I, I've been saying the same thing and it was so funny when I made the post on Twitter about kind of the rumors of the fight and Juwan Howard possibly resigning and stuff like that. I had Michigan fans who were really, really mad telling me I was making stuff up and that I was, you know, clickbaiting them and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, I'm just posting a rumor. It's everywhere else on Twitter. You're just getting mad at me because I had the courage to actually say everything in one post. Um, and then I have other Michigan fans who are like, yeah, get him out of here. <laughs> So I have some that hate me and some that are cheering me on like, yes, keep telling the story so we can fire this guy and let Phil Martelli coach and uh, maybe John Beeline will come back. But um, <laughs> I can't I I can't imagine Juwan Howard gets fired, though. I, I mean, I did in my live stream about it. And um, maybe if it was just some Joe Schmo coach or a Michigan like man, yeah. they would never fire a Michigan man. Well, I don't I, know why I went to my. <laughs> my southern bell voice there but yeah because they're so far south up in, <laughs> uh, up in Michigan. but see um, if they're not doing that well you know wouldn't they be kind of looking for an excuse to get rid of him you know with michigan state and football right mel tucker wasn't doing well and something came along that kind of offered an opportunity to get rid of a you know a tough situation so it's like i don't know i th- i I, I don't yeah. think they're as married to the Michigan man in this product because I don't think Michigan basketball is as highly revered as the football program is, right? Right. I Or Caleb Love would be on the Wolverines. Or yeah. Caleb and the 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 admissions board would not get in their way so much, right? Yeah. Well, we just know all of Michigan's culture would be fixed if only Caleb Love was there. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if Caleb Love could throw a tight spiral, he would be on Michigan's campus. 
He could. He, would. <laughs> he, would. he definitely could. I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I I I think that they I, I think that Michigan up there, they really do like their Michigan man stuff. And I think it also makes a point as well that um, you know, Jace is on the basketball team and how much of that is actually, you know, them trying to protect protect Jace as well. Um, I don't know. If you ask me, it's like if a guy's a problem and embarrassing your university, just get rid of him. That's what I feel like. But at the end of the day, um, this is why I never like when teams hire old players or like legends or something like that to come in and coach the team because they're either going to do one of two things. Either one, they they do a good job and their reputation doesn't change. They get a little bit of a bump of being a good coach, and that's awesome. That's great. Uh, or two, they just completely ruin all of their credibility with the fan base and people think bad about them, and they're like, oh, you know, well, that's all we remember you for now is how terrible you were as a coach. And it doesn't – I mean, it doesn't really – And then they grow anything. bitter and become Dan Dockage. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Dockage, he's been giving it to Michigan football. <laughs> I don't know if he still talks about it. God. I saw him. I saw. Uh, oh, yeah. I saw that. Him, he's, so. he's so ridiculous. God. Yeah. He was actually. There's a reason he's still in my Twitter header. Yeah. They wrote a special article about how the Izone and Dockage didn't get along. And they used a picture of me in the article. And I'm like, oh, okay, I have yeah. to plaster this all over everything. It was, you know, yeah. back when I was a student. So I just. I, that's hilarious unbelievable that's awesome all right guys well that's all i got thanks so much for coming in talking some big 10 basketball appreciate you guys and i appreciate everybody who is listening to us ramble on there at the end about juan howard in michigan and uh you know it doesn't take us as a ohio state iu and michigan state fan to you know maybe take a few jabs at michigan here and there so uh so yeah but all right thanks everybody for listening thank you anthony thank you burke have a great night yeah of course Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Yep.